So the first one is that the internet's returning us to some kind of primordial mind, being immersed in forests of information and communication, um, the blending of mind and matter, like, we're interfacing with an environment that has mind in it, like, computers and touchscreens and TVs on the wall, like, we're in a world of symbols and imagery and imagination, or literally, like, um, what's it called? Virtual reality, that, you know what I'm talking about? Um, avatars, there's a certain word for it that I'm looking for. Um, sorta. Sorta. Okay, I'm gonna have to look this up. It's a term where, like, you, you change your reality, you change the way you look. Augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's like a technologized version of what our ancestors experienced, like, yeah. especially in Shamanic culture. Yeah. Or just the ancient societies in general. They, they had an augmented reality, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Although there is a dichotomy in that statement where we're saying that there's an objective world and we're projecting onto it, and both yeah. things are saying that. I think there's a problem, and I'm going to note that in this, just so I'm going to say, like, I don't want to hold to that, but some similar process is happening where we're participating with reality regardless if it's projected or not and then like I said the crisis with this is that even if we create a global brain that mirrors the neurons in our brain and mirrors ecological systems it will be no good if it's not established and integrated with those systems because the technologies are destroying the environment or civilization is completely unsustainable so there's all these huge problems that are really, really, really important. And the danger with internet culture is becoming too disembodied and getting floating into that. And me, I know this from personal experience, especially now, that this is a really big problem. You know, we, we can get lost in those worlds. And then, you know, the whole thing will fall apart. It won't matter how amazing the internet is or how amazing our technology is. It'll just collapse. So that leads me into the second one about shamanism. And this, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of striving for like, all right, so if we are returning to our origins, what were they like? You know, what were the shamans like? And so from reading Hillary Webb, which is no different than what Kyle was saying, uh, Hillary, <laughs> Hillary Webb says, shamans see the universe in a person. Like the body represents the universe. The body is a mirror image of the universe. So how can we see that as a sustainable metaphor for what we're creating with the internet age, or we're creating a global brain. The global brain has a global body, right? So we need the head, we need the heart, we need the legs, we need the whole ecosystem, the whole being of the earth. And we may be building the mind, so to speak, but we need to think of a holistic understanding. So this is the part where I'll go into like shamanic understanding of the universe as a metaphor for what we're doing. Like the most local, tribal, indigenous, primordial spirituality as a reflection of what we're trying to do uh, or cre recreate. Um, let's see. So that is like a cry for integration with the environment. Looking at the shaman, seeing how they kind of just see life as a whole. They have the cosmos, they have transcendent realms, they have underworlds, and it's all here in the body, you know. Um, so this, to me, is the beginning of a call for a personal integration. It's not saying we, this is a collective thing by itself, or a social thing by one society. It needs to be a personal thing that we're all doing, we can all see in our lives. So, yeah, studying shamanism and their spirituality, and how the macro reflects the micro, and the whole anima mundi sort of image. And then the third one is, again, it's just a riff off of this one. And it's the integration. Um, so this is the part of my thesis where I'm exploring like myth and science, art and imagination, mysticism and reality, mind and matter, fourth culture where like science and art come together to dis you know describe reality as, as partners. Um, I wrote this, re-emergence and emergence happening at once. Like, these older forms of consciousness, like shamanic and mytho mythical and pre-modern, are kind of bubbling back up. But we're also emerging into something new, this kind of global brain or this technological society. So it's both happening simultaneously. Um, and generally, like, this is a story of wholeness. A shaman is an image of this whole being and a whole cosmology. 
and we're struggling for that, and that's like the third part. Um, and maybe the claim that we're trying to reestablish wholeness as a collective and personal great work. So like, this is a collective human endeavor. We're in a crisis right now, a planetary crisis. But equally, it's an individual crisis because we're trying to figure it all out in ourselves. You know, in an internet culture, we're really disembodied. So it's not just a problem of being disembodied from the planet and ecological systems. It's also a personal problem. How can you get more embodied in yourself, in your spiritual work, in your being? So the personal and the collective in this cosmology are already together. And by doing that, is it, that's the process of reintegration. We're, we're coming back to our wholeness. We're trying to recreate a culture that is intrinsically whole, as, it, as whole and natural as shamanistic cultures were. And that's the problem, and that's the crisis that we're figuring out right now. And it seems to be the crisis itself is announcing the answer to it. You know, it's saying you can't see things separate. You have to see them together. So that very challenge itself is making us more like our ancestors. So. As you can see, there's like a general narrative now. Like there's this primordial origin origin story, and breaking away from that, and that's just one descriptive narrative. I don't want to get stuck onto that by itself. Um, and then I just like list a couple of things like the disillusionment of uh, disillusion of uh, boundaries, the Cartesian ego, um, and the f the failure of the separation of nature and industry from from ecological systems, and then within the culture itself, the failure of the Cartesian ego to remain itself is being broken down. Our security and our privacy is breaking down. Our sense of identity is becoming collectivized again. So there's a lot of breakdown happening. Um, the emergence of a global society, so we're getting interwoven with each other through technology. Um, and of course the spiritual work and the spiritual movements and the new consciousness movement and um, the new movements within the tr great traditions themselves that are trying to talk about these sort of things. Um, and then like I mentioned before, the reintroduction of ancient forms of consciousness and cosmology. Uh, let's see, what did I say? Um, by a cultural movements. What does that mean? I don't know what I meant by that. Uh, well, like, okay, I think I just meant that as, like, the hippie 60 movement, um, music and rock and that kind of stuff returning these older consciousness back to modern society, where before that was suppressed. Like, a lot of things happening all at once like that. The Evolver community is trying to reintroduce this. These are, these are all social movements. And then, on a technological level, um, the reintroduction of nature and sacred consciousness through literalized technology. So these are the techno-mystics who are talking about all this stuff. And then I just wrote in parentheses, a material interpretation by a technological society. So I want to show what's happening with them is this huge urge for reintegration. And it's kind of haphazardly happening externally, but it needs to come from internal, you know, really from within. We need to understand so we can render the symbol transparent and not be dependent on some technology to transcend reality, you know. Yeah, we have to feel from within that we're eternal beings and not feel the desire to transcend the physical body through technology. Before that happens, you know, we have to get back in touch with that. It's forcing us to either create a, like, Gnostic mirror image of it, an inverse image of it, or actually embody it. And this is, again, the crisis. Do we really want to break off and separate and cause a collapse, or do we want to integrate? Um, Okay, and of course the nature thing is the thing about like neurons mirroring the internet, mirroring the galaxy, mirroring ecosystems. It's like technology is giving us a symbol like you're getting back to something, you're getting back to something. But that is just a process, that's the initial step. That's yeah. like the symbol that's blasted in our face. Yeah, and so seeing technology as a symbol of something larger instead of technology as the center. Yeah, instead of like a misplaced concreteness of technology as like, okay, here we are, we're back into it. Because we're not, you know, like, because the internet is wonderful. I didn't wonderful. What misplaced concreteness. Seeing, mistaking um, the thing for some larger process. So, like, technology is not spiritual yeah, transcendence. Yeah, yeah, technology yeah. is not nature. But it's a reflection of... 
Yeah. And then maybe you could extend that to nature and say even nature is an image or symbol. It's in nature, yeah, And then yeah. these kinds of philosophies, I think, can emerge, or at least I would I would expose, expose them as, like, important. I think that hermeneutic is very important to emphasize. Like, the way you explain the details is very important, mm -hmm. but your actual, the heart of, of the heart of the heart of what you say ties all of it together. I think it's very important to sort of try to explain that more. You explain it well, but you throw it in the middle of details. Maybe it's better to explain it at the beginning or at the end, somewhere yeah. concretely like yeah. that. Where you're, like, that hermeneutic, your hermeneutic, where you're coming from. Okay. You're mystic hermeneutic. Like, you explain it very well, but I feel what like... What I just said about that image, yeah, yeah. all things being images of... And things like that. Your, your metaphysics, your hermeneutic. I think it's very important to put it all in one, like, body, instead of playing it in the middle of the details. Good idea, baby. Which means that it will either be more impressive or more attacked to others. Yeah. That's the big risk. But at the same time, it, it really explains the character, like you. It really explains you behind the right And it, in the end, it's a mystical hermeneutic. Definitely. Because it's saying all things are images mm -hmm. in which the source or origin of the image is not definable by any one of them. The ever-present origin. Sort of, yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. even um, Jorge Ferrer's uh, transpersonal theory revision, participatory yeah. spirituality, yeah. where like there's not going to be some objective image, mm -hmm. which all images are just kind of like pluralistic relative versions of. Yeah. There's there's no way to get to that objective image through this. There, It's this kind of infinite numinous source that's been talked about since ages past and we can near through the mystical traditions um, and through like honoring our symbols honoring the symbols that are interacting with us like the yeah mm -hmm. exactly it, they're to be honored and just as the body and again like this is just a metaphor but the shaman seeing the legs as like the root and the torso as the heart and the animal and then this is the mind that cosmology is being recreated on a grand scale, or at least maybe this is just an imaginal projection, but I'm seeing it recreated on a grand scale with the whole world. And this would be affirmed with Sorry, what? Sorry, I want to see who it is. See That's okay. I don't know. Can we call out? I don't know who that is. I don't know her. That may have been Brandy Carlisle. Sorry, go it's ahead. Okay. No, that's okay. Anyway, yeah, it's being created with the whole world. And that's something Teilhard de Chardin may have said about the global rain in the new sphere. That was his emphasis. Um, Sri Aurobindo was sort of saying this, but he was getting more to the heart of what I'm saying about the mystical hermeneutic, being like, you know, everything's an image of this infinite creative source. And in this existence, in this phenomenal existence, the way that source is, is through evolution, through these multiplicitous forms. Um, but yeah, okay, so that's that part. And then four, that led me to... Specifically, I guess I wanted to like hone in on it. The reintroduction and integration is notable through digital tech culture. Um, and the religious imagination that's present throughout tech, techno culture and throughout scientific culture. So, like, to show that these things are inescapable and they're a part of our being and dimension, and then even in a materialist culture, they still come back to us. Um, so that, that was just me focusing to say, like, well, this is what I've been looking at in the beginning of the semester. Um, but that's a part of these, this reintegration, this greater wholeness. That's what I'm trying to like create this like hermeneutic about wholeness yeah. that yeah. we've been trying to get back to. And what wholeness means. Mm -hmm. I think, again, I love how you explain it through the details very well, but I think it's important that towards the beginning or towards the end, that you explain those bigger hermeneutic things. What wholeness means. It could be towards wherever you see it more fit, towards the beginning, the end, beginning, middle, and end, let's say, something like that. To sort of uh, reiterate your ideas, you explain them very well through the details. I Maybe mean, that's your style. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think it clears up things more. I think it you're right. Um, it sharpens a communication of who you are more when you explicitly put them together. 
I think you're right, baby. Thank you. I'll, I'll work on trying to articulate it. I think the reason why there's so many details right now is that I'm my mind is kind of strewn across these different fields yeah. and trying to find my voice in them and yeah. find the central story. What what thread am I pulling out of all these different yeah. writers? Yeah. Or what thread can I can I find written in all of them? That's more. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather say that because it's yeah. like I'm creating it too by reading them. And the final thing, um, I'd like to create some kind of general outline after studying like how we're struggling for wholeness that uh, this is a process of like separation and reunion maybe as like maybe part of that initial beginning statement you know we're, we're these whole beings we have this whole cosmology and it's broken apart into a thousand pieces but it's never really broken it's just there's some bigger process we're a part of there's a planetary process we're a part of that both the shaman and like the techno mystic are a part of and everybody in between and it's creating this larger world. It's rebirthing the world into a new kind of world. Something like that. Yeah. It might be really good to actually read from Carol Gilligan. Um, that other book that Carol Gilligan has, and this one can be good too, Birth of Pleasure, but I think the other book could be more useful. Uh, the one joining the resistance. Mm -hmm. Because if she talks about dissociation, the way she talks about it, she talks about dissociation a lot. And I think the concept of this, the psychological concept of dissociation can be really relevant to what you're studying. Because it talks about... The breaking apart, separation. Breaking apart out of coping as a coping mechanism, as a way to fit into the systems that we are born into. And as a way to splice and dice our humanity. So that it is functional within I think that, like, the paradigms we're given. gets to the heart of it, actually. Thank you. I think that'll be a very, it's, it's more on the psychology, not so much in the mystical um, events of the, like, way of describing events in the world, but I think it's, I think it's going to help a lot. It's going to so add too. that personal touch, too, from psychology. From yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Like, yeah. it seems like we come from a culture, a primordial human culture, indigenous culture, yeah. that saw everything as sacred, unalienated, non-alienated, yeah. unified, yeah. and whole. And over time, we've broken apart from this collective whole, seeing the individual as a reflection of the universe, and so on, yeah. and fallen into a very separate existential alienation from It would be interesting, too, world. to trace how that happened. When did we first start to dissociate, and why? Yeah. And so on and so forth. And, and to make that relevant, instead of just some fall from... Um, you know, and again, I could bring up mythology too. Yeah. Like this, like instead of the fall from Eden, like why did we fall? Why did we need to fall? What was that break yeah. from nature? Why do we tell What was that, that break story? from the sea? Why is that story important to us about the fall from Eden? Why does what it capture us and enthrall us? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, baby. Um, I think that was. I loved it. I I loved the whole. I think you're very like. Your ideas, you embody them, you're in them. It's not ideas, it's you. Is it? I think it is. I think it just needs, as far as organization, yeah. a little bit of explaining who you are and where you're coming from, your hermeneutic, those big ideas that really make evoke me sensing you. Instead of just like arriving, I feel like sometimes the way like you wrote this piece, it's like idea, 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 idea. And I have to like touch it and feel it first and know it, and then I'm like, oh, now I know you. And then I'm here, idea, and now I know you. But I think if I know you first, so if you explain a little bit of that first, if I know where you're coming from first, I can like, oh, I can vibe with him on this idea, and that idea, that I can see how he's seeing the world, and I can wear his glasses and see the world with him and feel it. But instead of like seeing the images at first, of how the internet is interacting with our society, what it means to be in a materialist culture, and then, oh, that's how he's seeing it, he's a mystic. And that because I know you, I can feel you from the beginning, but I feel like the way you wrote it is more like, I have to go around it to really know who you are. To know that you are a mystic who is trying to get up living a whole life, what it means to be whole, and who is... Uh, 
seeing how the example of the materialist culture that we live in today is an example of a recurring pattern of the fall. And why do we fall and why do we break away? And also that things like the internet that we have today is more of a symbol of the numinous that keeps on coming back and giving us, through our participation with it, we come up with the symbols, these interactive symbols that should be really telling us something about how to cheat the world and how to honor the world and how to honor ourselves. But we're really not getting it. So like, that, I feel like right now I summed up where you're coming from in all of these examples. Oh, I'm okay, thank you. So like, to relate that first, be like, okay, I understand him, I know where he's coming from, and now I can follow him through these stories. Now I can follow him through like, all the different examples that you mentioned. Um, so that even if people, like let's say, let's say somebody is not that much of a reader and read the first chapter of your book, like sometimes we do and we don't have time, what would you want them to get? Maybe that hermeneutic, you know? And then the examples, the fleshing out, that's chapter two and chapter three and chapter four. But at first you want to give them, this is who I am and this is what I'm talking about. Like, the whole thing in the introduction. And exactly. then chapter one will then be separation. Exactly. And then, you know, the chapters would be like the fall, sort of. Yeah. Or the evolution itself, like, yeah. as we evolved in complexity as a society, mm -hmm. we dissociated from nature and from our spiritual origin. Mm -hmm. But we never really lose it. It's just, it gets too big and too immersive to kind of see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And only now, as we get to this point, where things are starting to close up again or see the whole picture again. Yeah. And what the whole process has been of the fall and the return and the larger human... Right. Not even human. Just It'd be good to describe other examples where that point kind of emerges again. Like, why is it that we are at a point now we realize we're at a point of crisis? And the internet is a sign of the connectivity that we're so hungry for. What happened at other points of crisis? And we talk about that. This is not something that is... You've covered that more than once. Like, when we talked about the movie Apocalypto. Like, what is it that happens at these moments of crisis that we need to address? What is it that happens at this closure point where we really cannot fool ourselves anymore with the myth of being, like, separate? Mm -hmm. And we need to go to the myth of being whole. And the stories that tell us about being whole and the stories about being separate really can't, can't suffice anymore. Mm -hmm. When does that happen? Mm -hmm. And to, to see also in history, make a chapter about how in history, this has happened before. We've gotten to points before where we couldn't see anymore, and this is how people responded to the truth. But also this is how the crisis played out. For that part, it's harder because the dialectic, or whatever you might want to call it, of history, even though there's an emergent complexity of culture, it's not really like we, we come to a reunification. There's not really a point where that happens. There, there is some kind of like response, but it, to me it's more of like a partial response. And it's always been a kind of a partial response to like, you know, the so crisis. What do you think, what do you think of this time, like what you were saying, what Hubel is saying, very few people <laughs> still are saying that, but at least you guys exist. People are saying, we need to, I mean, even for my poetry, like, we need to not be caught in the stories anymore. We really need to face the unification. And it comes through the, the like, the recurring myth now. It's the myth of Mother Earth and returning to Mother Earth. It's like every other book we're reading is talking about how we need to come back and taking care of the Earth. And because the Earth is about to fall apart because of our actions, we really need to address feminism, art, mysticism, technology, all the books are, it's like they write this little foot, Campbell wrote about this, everybody. Why do you think this is happening now? Why do you think this hasn't happened before and is happening now? So we're really waking up to this, waking up to wholeness to that extent. I think it's always intensified, it's just reached a level of intensification where we need to return to who we are fully and completely. It's kind of like, in a, in a, in a spiritual sense, in an individual sense, like what I'm personally going through, where I cannot continue until I come to this with my full being. The crisis calls for my full being to emerge, or not. And I feel like 
if we're going to use a symbolic or a relative individual metaphor, it's it's a, a calling to become what we truly are, an individual level. And if we don't do that, if we do not respond to that, then that's will be that will be the failure. That will be the collapse of this whole project. And I don't think it's guaranteed that it will happen. This is not a utopian vision. This is hard work, as any mystic or any shaman or anybody going through an initiation, you know, would, would say. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. We're being called to mature. We're just at a point where the answer can no longer be a partial response. Yeah. We have to re-establish our primordial wholeness yeah. at a much larger planetary scale to be conscious of that shamanism in a way that maybe shamans 10,000 years ago weren't aware of shamans or needed like on the other side of the world. They participated in it, but were they fully, fully, fully aware of it like we need to be today? And we don't want to compare them as far as like, you know, who's better? It's just, you know, the challenge is to reestablish that at a far more intensified level than ever before. And there are different challenges, sure, but both are about survival, to be honest. Both are survival-oriented. Although... A lot of spiritual development, a lot of spirit, like spiritual teachers today and shamans sort of try to tell us to get past the survival, don't they? So is it that, again, it's like when people say leave the body, leave the body, leave the ego, leave the ego, leave survival, leave survival, is it really good to leave survival or is it just, it's not the point to leave survival, but to understand that my survival is related to the survival of all there is. Yeah. So it's not to leave the body, but that my body relates to the body of all there is. It's not to leave the ego, but that my ego relates to the ego of all there is. So it's not so much a process of abandonment and leaving behind, but it's a process of expanding and including and being aware of the large, the larger you that you are. And that's what the spiritual traditions all like emphasize. Like, yeah. you know, self-transcendence is not just about you; it's about everybody. And leaving, it's not about going past because you all say, you know, you're operating in the survival mode. You're operating at the survival mode. Well, some people can't have a choice but to operate at the survival mode. Are you saying that they can't spiritually, they can't have a spirituality unless they leave the war zone where they live? So they can't leave a spirituality until they have enough money and a car and a passport and this and that. Or can they have a spirituality right now? So that's actually what you're saying. Gave me a lot of hope for me as a, a like a pure listener, reader, because it gave me that perspective that it's not so much that they need to leave the idea of survival. But how does the sensibility we can, re- we can understand it in a new way. Exactly. How the shaman helps the tribe get their food. Yeah. It does medicine. It does. He does spiritual work. He helps yeah. everybody out. He or she. Yeah. 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 Helps everybody yeah. out with what with yeah. their needs, with yeah. their needs and their everyday needs, and then also they journey. They yeah. go into other worlds. They meet beings that other people may not have because have be able to because they can't handle that kind and of. And their survival energy. is at stake too. Yeah. So like, there's no, there's nothing different from that. And what we're doing today, where we need to learn the book of nature, or understand nature, understand what nature is, not just animals and biology, but all of nature. And I think that's that's the overlap, and that's the difference. They, from what Hillary Webb says, they understood the whole cosmos, the whole the body represented the universe, the, the you know the heavens, the underworld, the middle realm. We we're establishing that right now. You're all three. You can't three souls. Being yeah. one of them. Yeah. So we are all three. The and only if you thing. Say that, like, did they have a state where, like, at some point, all of your body should be mine? Let's say, or all no, of your body? No, never. You're always a three. This, you just are by your definition. You are. It's like that Gebser image of the prince standing with his legs in the vegetation, his torso between heaven in the mountains, like in the mountains, and his head in the sky, in the heavens. It's that same image. 
of us emerging from the vegetable, you know, consciousness, it's the same image as the tree, from roots to branches. The images are very present in many aspects of nature. Yeah. We're like we're like trees like that. I'm sure that there's also like I guess spiritual heights within the heights and the lows, but not really heights like spiritual depths. Like for, for example, when Siner was given that exercise in the science of the occult, occult science, blah blah, 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 blah I forgot to say, but um. To align yourself with vegetation, to align yourself with vegetable consciousness, mm -hmm. and imagine your blood being the sap that flows in and out, mm -hmm. and how there's wisdom in that. So it's not so much that you evolve and you leave this behind and go forward, and leave this behind and go forward. No, exactly. Yeah. It's seeing, you know, it's inescapable that you're all these beings, and you're all these worlds. Why do you think that was important for our survival that we did that? To fall away from it? That we thought that we need to separate and leave behind and separate and leave behind. I don't hell think is we all felt bad. That. Heaven is all good. I think we need to leave hell behind. Like, it's why do it's you think a that? provincial perspective. When you're switching from the metaphor from the branch of the tree, the, the roots, yeah. to the trunk, yeah. where you are, it kind of seems that way. You yeah. know, it kind of starts to seem limited. And you'll, at a certain point, you have to break back open into the hole. The tree has to do that, and it so does it all along. But yeah, it, it's getting caught in in the journey. It's getting lost in the journey, and I think that's part of what the evolution of consciousness was. Like we we think it's this like progressive model of development, or equally, it's a it's a pro progressive crystallization from the origin, as like Gebser said. Um, so I think there's some importance to having that bridge. I don't know what that is, except that it seems to be blossoming up into what we're creating today, and the potential it has today to have like, you know, what Teilhard called the new sphere, or the global brain, that sort of thing, so that the earth itself reflects what it is. And then you can go back into mysticism with this as an explanation. We're not... It's, it doesn't seem like it should be necessary to feel separate and to divide heaven and earth. It only should be heaven or should only should be earth. That's a limited perspective from where we are. But from the whole, what's being done is a kind of massive birth process that we are a part of that is far bigger than us and far more than us. I'm getting the image of the, of the mother giving birth and being born. That's, yeah, that's, I'd say like that's... A big part of it. Yeah. It's Earth is the mother who's yeah. birthing us, but we are also life itself is birthing her. Life itself, not just us. We may be part of that mind, but again, you know, the mind is just one part. And within us, we're not just the mind. We're every. We, we are the whole thing as well. If somebody asks you an abstract, I have two questions. The first question is, if somebody asks you, and they're very different, but I guess I'll say them together. If somebody asks you a very abstract question, such as, in such a view, in such a, a, a way of living, what would you say is God? And then the second question is, a lot of people talk about the internet as a tool or a vehicle. They don't see it as something in and of itself. For example, if I use a music listen to music, I'm in a trance state. The music is, I mean, the internet is for trance. If I am using the internet to go on Wikipedia, it's for information and logic. If I'm using it to know how to destroy somebody's reputation for gossip, then it's through dissent and more separation. But what is the internet by itself? What do you think this? What do you see the internet by itself as an existence, as a myth, or as a symbol? So again, the two questions are like the first one is. If we in nature are like the mother and child giving birth to each other, where do you, like, if somebody has that basic question of, you know, so I still live by the word God, that's the word I live by, that's what I pray to in the morning and at night, how can I see God now? Like, is it more pantheistic? Or is there, like, what's the nuance? What, what would you describe as God? And the second thing is, or do you need that description? You even need that word. And the second thing is, what would you describe the internet by itself as more than just a tool? Okay. Well, the first question, I think that would depend on who the person is. If they're a monotheist, they can interpret this as, um, uh, well, in a Tehardian sense, the incarnation of Christ. Yeah. This new earth, you know, the establishment of a new earth. 
So there's nothing there's nothing that's incompatible with monotheism about it. This is this is creation. This is God's creation. In the traditional religions, they call it emanations of God, and we're usually considered the, you know the basement level. But maybe we're understanding that basement level in a very nuanced way. So what is God? And in, in a sense. We are revelations of God. You know, we are mirrors and reflections of God. And these are in all the mystical traditions. To see the world this way it shouldn't be that much of a jump further. It's just to see, well, how are we beholding God? You know, if one person reflects God, then you merely need to look at one individual to see what, you know, an image of the divine. The same thing with the earth. If the earth is building a mind, the analogy works, at least for me. Because the earth is resonating with. Mm, Humans, the earth, so on, all these images, these symbols, these bodies, are all expressions of the divine, are all, are all reflections of God, and images and projections and emanations of God. So I would say that would be my answer to the first question. Because then um, you don't have to be pantheistic, you can just try to see the whole. You can try to see the whole in everything. You can try to see God in everything, in the microcosm, as above, so below, sort of thing. So I don't know. I don't know if that really. But for me, that makes sense. You know, the second one, what the internet is intrinsically. Um, the internet. It isn't anything without our consciousness. It doesn't mean anything without a conscious being in it. And that conscious being is still mysterious. Just as the neural net in our brain, the, like neurons, if you look at them relatively, you know, this neuron has this memory imprint, but where's the self in that? There, where is the being that's in this, that the, you know, the imminent being in, the, in each brain? I think it's the same problem. So this, to detach humans from the net doesn't make sense. So I'd say the, the internet is an extension of mind. The internet. So your work is really you're being a meaning maker. Mm -hmm. Sure, I'd say so. In contextual meaning for this age, in order to see a whole cosmology again, because without that matured whole cosmology, not a traditional one, not even a, a shamanistic one, but a whole cosmology, is very important to reestablish today. In my belief, this comes from my here. Not nobody else. For me. So, the rebirth of a whole cosmology. Because it's in us to do that, and it's already primordially in us, whether you're like just a materialist scientist, or you're a mystic, you may believe it's just in our genes to like, and we've been struggling because we got, a, got separated for a while, and we've been struggling and struggling and struggling, and this pops out here, and this pops out there, and we're getting to a point of such intensification where our whole self will assert itself like the capital S like Jung says will assert itself at this point in time and if it does not then that's it for Earth for now it may grow back but you know it's kind of like a failed initiation or a, um, a, stillborn, a stillborn birth and that's the crisis we have to be very serious about that we can't assume that it's going to be a smooth birth we have to make it smooth you know question to the first question um so if we can fit into like seeing the world as and seeing nature as something that gives birth to us and we give birth to nature um, <laughs> <interesting. Three> <laughs> and uh, if we you know if we live it that way and if i feel it that way i can fit whatever cosmology that works with me into it so i can fit the monotheistic god into you know it's all emanations of the divine i can fit the polytheistic you know gods like if i have oh this is the god of the wind this is the god of rage it's like, this is what's happening right now in front of me um so maybe like the distinction between monotheistic and polytheistic and god and so on like is it is it more important than cosmology or is cosmology, what you mean by cosmology is more important than like, like is it more important than this sense of cosmology, understanding like who are the players, what's the distinctions between them, or do you mean something else by cosmology, that it's not so much like, you know, Shiva and Shakti and Kali and, you know, or like Jesus and Muhammad and like, or is it, is cosmology something else, is cosmology like, a sense of the cosmos that's more important than the naming and the branding. <laughs> that latter one. Yeah. 
it's direct yeah, participation in cosmology in a so way that, that like, I think that's why you got misunderstood a couple of times because the way people under, some people understand what cosmology is completely different from like the beautiful and flowing sense of what the word cosmology means that I get from you now I haven't read a lot of people that use the word cosmology because I come from a different be reading background from you so I don't know if like this is only you or this is, let's say, how Tehard also uses the word cosmology. And that's yeah. why a lot of people are misinterpreting you. Generally, it's the same thing with the word myth. Yeah. How the latter, like the contemporary use of the word myth is completely different from the... Um, Generally, cosmology means um, an order of the universe in which human beings find their place in. So okay. that could be a Jungian cosmology in which there's these things called archetypes and the anima and the animus and all this, and that's what you participate in because it's in you, and then it's also in the world as a whole. So that's a good example. But then the same principle, I think, applies to scientific cosmology, where there are certain fundamental principles and laws that make all of us up and which we all participate in. Some are more relativistic, some see humans as a center, some see humans as just part of this whole infinite like universe where there's all these different beings, which is more like a Hindu cosmology, which I think is very advanced. It wasn't provincial. In some sense it was, but also it wasn't. Because like the way you read their cosmology, it's like, well, there's like a thousand Indras. Or what was his name? The guy who turned into an ant. Who, Ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that story. And they make mistakes, and they evolve, and they grow, and they give birth, and mm -hmm. they fight, and and yeah, like the Vishnu who dreams the world yeah. from the from the lotus, and Brahman yeah. is dreaming up a billion Vishnus, unknown, uncountable Vishnus. So like, it's innumerable universes that are all being dreamed into existence. Like, well, that's just one example of a cosmology. Yeah. I think we're gonna get nearer to that kind where we won't really feel like the deities are separate from us. I think we'll also see them as within us, like the human being is a microcosm, just so as like really, archetypes. For people who say, I don't believe in cosmology, I don't want cosmology, it's like, you know what Ellie said, I, tell me your theories, but take out all the cosmology stuff. Is it really escapable to be human and not have Absolutely a sense of cosmology? Not. No way. So, for instance, how if you give the example of the internet for somebody who is trying to deny, I don't need cosmology to understand the internet. What would you What would you respond to that? I think that's a naive statement to think that you can escape your own imagination. The, the whatever you're gonna. The way you're gonna see the internet, I guarantee you, to start talking, start start telling me the way you see it, and there will be things that get picked up in religious imagination, yeah. in indigenous imagination, yeah. and that you're just you're just remolding them into a new cast, yeah. in a new play, and a new mask, same play, or new character, different. Actually, I really agree with you, but in a way, I want to prepare you for questions. I no, feel bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. So let's say I can even answer that with you, to be honest, because I really agree with you on that. I think you can't escape a sense of cosmology even if we start describing sitting here at a diner drinking coffee. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I am a 19-year-old and I use the internet, and I'm coming to you like, man, I don't need cosmology. So yesterday, I sat on the internet and I watched porn and I looked up my favorite artist on Wikipedia. And I know that people who develop the internet are companies in Silicon Valley. What's the cosmology in that? Well, first of all, you're communing with this flat screen in which you're getting meaningful data and information from, almost as if you're in a trance. Second of all, you're speaking and relating with, even if it's porn, these beings that only either you can see or you can see through this little portal into this that exists at a different what is the internet time. you're you're yeah. interacting with this atemporal place that's yeah. not that's not making that up you're doing it and yeah. sure we're creating it through technology yeah. but that's my point we're recreating this this um very ancient way of seeing the world through technology so it's kind of like a punch in the face where we're getting it thrown back at us and we don't even realize it and yeah, you can look up porn, whatever, you know, or like somebody else 10,000 years ago, maybe communing with an ancestor, you know, or interpreting signs from the forest. It's, they're still doing something that, to them, they're just embedded in that. They're not really saying, well, this is a cosmology. Of course you're not saying that. Yeah. 
Most people don't say that they're in a cosmology. They simply they are, and they, they live it, and they participate in it. And that's like most the people point. don't say, like, I'm biased. They just live their yeah. biases. Or like, that's the I'm, point, yeah. I'm this and that. They just live it. We yeah. can't escape participating in, in yeah. cosmologies. Yeah. It's just in us to do it. So Is that why me, the 19-year-old male watching porn and looking up my favorite artist on Wikipedia, you know, my mom always say that I'm addicted to the internet, that I'm always on it, and I feel really drawn to the internet, and I can't leave it. I guess that explains why I'm so drawn to it. There's something it's doing to me that I'm... Return, you know, I keep on returning to it. What would you say that is? Mm. What would you say the internet is doing to me? And do you think I can get hooked and addicted to it, just like being hooked on like truths to reach spiritual heights? Like, where do you think I can that being drawn and magnetism to the internet? You know, maybe it's part of my how I experience my cosmology and my world. But at the same time, do you think there's a point where I can be like misusing it? I definitely getting stuck in it yeah. is like the equivalent of like a shaman journeying and not being able to come back to, into his body. Yeah. So we have a big problem of disembodiment, which um, may not have been as present in indigenous cultures. And this is our predicament because even though these kinds of realms are coming back to us in digital form, we're kind of getting carried away with them. Yeah. flying off into these realms and not doing anything back here on Earth. Whereas in indigenous cultures, I think the environment was such that we didn't do that and we didn't want to do that. It was seen as a whole. So even though the internet is reminding us of something that we've you know, detached or broken off from, it's now becoming an abyss that we can get easily lost into if we don't learn how to integrate it. It's like getting lost in your dream world. Yeah. Or getting lost in your journeys, your shamanic journeys, or your psychedelic journeys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get lost in it. So getting lost in the meditation cushion, even that happens, and you can't reintegrate. I think disembodiment is a, is a modern problem. <laughs> yeah. That we're still working through. The internet yeah. isn't a solution to it. Yeah. It's more like um, the next successive stage in which, like, a new world is opened up that needs to be integrated, and it's yeah. just sitting there, yeah. and we're trying to draw it in. And if you're going to take my cosmology and what I'm saying, then this realm is more like the astral plane or something like that. And if we're building the body of the earth, we have the legs, we have the biology, we have the, the middle realm, the physical world, world of, um, and then the... The top froth of the mental world is culture, yeah. and culture is already disembodied slightly from. Not it's always. The iceberg. Yeah. It's not in the heavy roots. We yeah. emerged right here in biology, yeah. and in that point, yeah, we were connected to nature. Culture was completely embedded in nature. That didn't last long, and well, technically it lasted pretty long, but we've fallen out of it either way, and now it's becoming less and less embodied. But what's emerging? What is this thing that's filling up here? The new sphere, the mind. This is kind of floating around, and we're trying to learn how to bring it down into the world, or at least connect it back to the world. This is it might be even unhealthy to imagine that cultures are so connected to nature, but we don't want to acknowledge it. To me, that sounds even more unhealthy than if we created cultures that are completely separate from nature. I mean, in a way we did because, like, if you look around, squirrels are trying and rats are trying to hide under our, like, under our railroads. Um, we are, have decent, like, codes of, like, dressing and so on. We're challenging each other with ways to dress, as if that's important for, like, just living on this earth and expressing ourselves, expressing our experience here. No, we now are competing over which expression of the experience is better and worthy of more respect. Like we are disconnecting more and more and more from nature. At the same time, we're organic beings. So like our culture is probably always going to reflect nature. Maybe that's why we can't like, we can't understand like, man, why did I just get insulted when that person talked bad about my mom? Even if like my mom was wrong, we're like, ah, why? I know my dad is wrong, but I don't want that person to know it. It's the same thing as like, well damn, I know like I can criticize America, but when I hear those people, like those foreigners criticize America, I'm a little hurt. Maybe that's actually like, instead of people seeing that as something wrong that they need to get past, that's something that's trying to tell them what it means to be have a culture that's connected with 
your pain body, your, your stomach, your body, it's organic. And if we return to that, we can understand. Like, we're going through it from the opposite end. Instead of trying to neglect that visceral feeling, we should dig deeper into it to understand what it means to be human. You see what I mean? Like, instead of saying, they're all cultural constructs, we need to just abandon that visceral feeling and just say, no, we should understand that we should have a visceral feeling about every single human being that lives on this planet. Take that visceral feeling we have about our culture, or our brother or sister, or our loved one, and take it to feel that way about every single life. You and see that, what I mean? that is the enactment <laughs> of what we're trying to re reestablish, yeah. which is having all of those realms interpenetrating yeah. and as one as one whole. Yeah. So where like you see, well, you know what? Culture never really separated from nature. We created the illusion of it, but even if you go into culture, that guy just had a visceral reaction of that. Yeah. This cosmology this, this Hindu cosmology is an exact like reflection of shamanic ones about the body. Like it's all it's all in there the whole way through. But the experience collectively is kind of a sense of disembodiment or disconnection where we're creating a bubble of culture and we exist in this bubble of culture and then something happens in nature and everything falls apart. And that keeps happening. Civilizations collapse. Do you you know, like I love that because like there's something I uh, I saw it a long time ago and it was this guy that was a big scientist and he gets quotes from the Quran and details from like um, science and puts them together and sees how like they're so alike. And it was a long time ago in Egypt when I saw that. And he showed how a mountain, like we look at a mountain and to us even it symbolizes spiritual heights. There's a valley drawings being by a mountain. Mountains are so high, we look at them and we can't imagine how high they are. We never make them, so it's not like a skyscraper. It has this magic to it. But every single mountain is actually longer beneath the ground its roots its beneath the ground it's actually longer same with glaciers they're longer beneath the sea and we forget icebergs sorry um, I apologize icebergs are longer beneath the sea and we really forget that we walk on the earth we can be in touch with that because we have a different sense from just sight we can walk on it and maybe feel that light just walking but it's like we forget that and you know, something as simple as the internet on this earth can be part of that. Mm -hmm. Those things, those spiritual things that we don't see that are beneath the ground. Mm. Like Thompson's work too. How he connects it to yeah. the same thing. Here's this old myth. Look, it's just like evolution, it's describing yeah. biological evolution. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing as that guy with the Quran, and the, yeah, he's doing the same thing pretty much. I like that. That was fun. <laughs> I like that you recorded all that. Yeah. The last one... <laughs> I, I didn't really finish it. I just wrote, finally, as general outline of steps necessary for this planetary culture and general theories, narratives, arts, mythos, and media which attempt to describe it accurately. <laughs> These hold a wide range of like psychological, anthropological, like Ellie Epp and ego psychology saying like, you know, the same thing you actually mentioned, dissociation from nature. Some of the descriptions are in there. Um, but then also something like, you know, Jungian psychology that understands things from a little bit more of a mystical point of view. So incorporating that. Um, new mythos through um, like uh, women as myth makers yeah. and new forms of art and media that are more participatory, yeah. relational, and other aspects that have kind of been neglected in the long history of civilization. Yeah. So like this stuff has been plowed and described and explored before by like I think a lot of eco psychologists and eco feminists and anthropo anthropologists. Uh, so yeah, that's nothing. The alienation and all that. So informing oneself about that as part of the hermeneutic, and then. Also, like Gebser, Aurobindo, Wilbur Steiner, for like some of the people who talk about, or Barfield too, the evolution of consciousness. So here's, now now at this point of the, the theory or the work is me kind of stringing along and looking at people who try to describe this big process from a way that's not just modernist, here's the mythos, but more descriptive, what's happening, let's get to the core of what's going on. I re I want to talk more, but I have to go pee. Okay, that that's I really it. Pause. That's all I had. I'll be right back. Okay.